welcome to episode 16 of the WIM podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about something I never thought I would have to talk about, much less just two episodes following my episode on the threat of school violence. It's a very sombering day. Today I'm coming to you from uh, my son's bedroom because I'm not allowed into my offices at MSU where I normally record the WIMP podcast because right across the street from my office, two students were killed on Monday night by an active shooter and a third killed just down the street at the MSU Union, five more seriously critically injured in a hospital just a couple miles away. If you've looked at my Instagram for the podcast, you see a photo that I took uh, basically from my office, from the doors in my building directly across the street, Berkey Hall, where the murders occurred. This hits real close to home for my entire community. And so this episode today, I was hoping to... uh, to maybe bring a lightness to this episode, talk about my my new working out habits, the pain that I'm in from uh, using muscles that I've probably never used, at least not in 20 years or so. But no, um, this week um, we have to talk about what the universe brings us. And today we're going to be talking about um, sadness. So, but... Um, as I uh, hope to do with this podcast, when I bring serious messages, I hope to end on a note that turns things around, that looks for a brighter future. And so that's what we'll look to find at the end of this, at the end of this chat together. So I hope that you listen to this. This is an important subject, important moment. Um, uh, but if you don't, if this is too hard for you, I fully understand this is a really hard, a hard time for all of us. So I'll be back in a minute and we'll get things started. So, um, I laid out what happened. Uh, in the intro a couple of days ago. Um, and there've been, um, you know, an outpouring of messages from, from friends, friends and family, which I sincerely appreciate. Um, I spent two days trying to process my own grief, my own trauma. Um, and then reaching out to, um, my staffers at Michigan State University who are, I have nine students at MSU that work for me. I have uh, three other professionals. So we've been um, reaching out. Uh, First thing we did Monday night was to check in and and make sure everybody was safe. Um, And I'm very relieved to say that, that my staff is, is okay, which is not to make light of those who, who are not, but, um, that did bring some relief. 
Um, so I've been reaching out to them, trying to offer them any form of comfort and resources. Uh, I've given everybody the entire week off. Um, MSU is shutting down for the week, um, obviously. Monday, we'll, we'll play it by ear. Um, my staff will come back when they're ready to come back, and we'll figure it out. Um, and then reaching out to the students in my class. So uh, to give this a little more context and a little bit more um, how this is really hitting home, I was teaching uh, my U.S. History Survey class and finished it up three hours before the shooting occurred. And I was teaching in the building in which the shooting occurred. So I have 50 students. Um, we were doing uh, a lesson on World War I that day. Um, and then three hours after they get out of class, this tragedy happens in the same building. Um, Michigan State's not going to, I think, open classes back up in that building right away. I think we're going to get moved somewhere else, which I thought was really important to do. Um, that that space is going to be filled with traumatic energy for a while, I think. Um, but for my staff, it's it will be there right across the street. Um, you look out the window and there it is. And so it's, it's going to be a tough adjustment. Um, I haven't heard from any of my students. Um, I don't anticipate that. I'm not expecting them to, to reach out to me. I expect them to lean into their families and to their loved ones and their community. Uh, there will be, a, there's a, um, a march happening on campus. I'm sorry, at the Capitol. I live in Lansing or East Lansing, but Lansing is the capital of Michigan. So there will be a number of the MSU committee down at the Capitol uh, for a peaceful demonstration about uh, gun protections, I imagine. And then uh, later this evening, uh, leadership at MSU is going to have a walk from the Sparty statue over to the rock. For those of you not familiar with the Michigan State University campus, the Sparty statue is kind of at the heart of um, like the sporting side of campus. It's right, right in front of a couple of the IM buildings, the football field. It's a giant statue of a Spartan, you know, with a shield and, and sword. And it's kind of, you know, when kids graduate, they go take pictures in front of the Sparty statue. And uh, on home games, um, there's a march from the statue uh, to the football field, I believe. Uh, but so leadership reached out and said they were going to um, have a march from the statue over to the rock. The rock is what you, it sounds like. It's a giant flat rock, probably in the neighborhood of like a, I don't know, uh, five, five, five feet high, four to five feet high, uh, six to eight feet wide rock that various student organizations, uh, and whatnot will paint with messaging throughout the year. Um, and obviously it's currently painted, uh, messaging for, uh, the community. Uh, but so the, there's going to be a visual, uh, held at the rock tonight at six. Uh, which I hope to be able to get to, but um, 
so that's that's kind of how our community is trying to handle it right now. I know a number of my staff have gone home to their families. Um, and if I'm the parent, I'm, I'm asking my student to come home too. Um, so we get that. Um, I was at a uh, high school board meeting. Uh, um, the, uh, you know, board of education meeting Monday night um, at the high school. Um, because, you know, my wife and I are plugging in uh, after, you know, the recent um, issues that we've had at the high school regarding school safety and, and concerns about uh, threats there. Um, and we were supposed to be getting the, um, the updated safety plan uh, presented by the board. Uh, board is currently in chaos. Um, the uh, president of the board resigned um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, another board member resigned just prior to the meeting. Uh, so they, they are in transition and I might even go so far as to say a bit of chaos. Um, but we were there to hear the new safety plan. Um, and then, uh, around 8 30 PM, um, we were advised by the East Lansing police of the active shooter event happening on campus. The high school is just a few blocks uh, north of the campus. And so we were ordered into lockdown. And so my wife and I spent uh, 8.30 p.m. until about 12.30 a.m. locked in the high school auditorium um, while this was all going on. There were some folks who had uh, police scanners on their phones so we could kind of listen in real time what was going on, and it was absolutely chaos. There was reports of gunfire all over campus. At, at various points, it sounded like there might be two or three different shooters. There was talk of explosives at one point. Um, there were pictures on social media that seemed to depict, you know, three men walking around with long rifles. Um, most of that turned out to be uh, not true. Um, it was a lone gunman uh, with a couple of handguns and a few rounds of multiple rounds of ammunition in a backpack. Um, he's not affiliated with the university. He was a 39 year old Lansing resident who apparently had, had gotten, um, just progressively more violent in his thinking after his mother passed two years ago. I bring that up to suggest first and foremost, that this violence was brought on by the trauma of a loss of life. And so the immediate response, of course, is to talk about gun safety, gun regulations, you know, because of the nature of, of other mass shootings around the United States, right, we, we immediately go to um, regulating automatic rifles, semi-automatic rifles, uh, whatever you want to call them. Uh, high-capacity magazines, all of that kind of a thing. This didn't apply to that. Um, this was also um, somebody who had been convicted of, of some form of gun charges within the last two years as well. Um, and so, depending on who you're listening to, somebody will say, yeah, see, well, this is a person who was a felon and they got the guns anyway, so your gun legislation isn't going to do anything. Um you know, and there's the very strong opinionated Second Amendment gun rights advocates out there that immediately just 
throw apathy or empathy to the side and just double down on their rights to carry death sticks. But, um, and I'm going to use language like that. I have the right to use language like that today. My community was violently ripped through by gun violence. And I don't care who you are or what you believe. The reality is, is that guns are created for one thing. And that is to put something down. That is, they are designed to kill. They are death sticks. They are bringers of death. If you own a weapon of that caliber, pun intended, you own something that is intended to kill another human being. So I have no patience for gun lobbyists at this moment. So, you know, I, nobody has to date, you know, jumped into the WIMP email box and given me any kind of guff or whatever I'm spinning here. So maybe this will be the first. If you're somebody that I know that's a friend of mine and you care to, to bring this up personally, please do. I'd love to have a conversation with you. But when we talk about gun legislation, we talk about gun rights, and we talk about all of this, you know, I'm, I I think of, first and foremost, um, a tweet that I referred to two episodes ago by Robert Reich, which counted the number of mass shootings in the United States since 2014. I'm going to read through that again. 2014, 273. 2015, 336. 2016, 383. 2017, 348, 2018, 336, 2019, 417, 2020, 610 mass shootings, 2021, 690 mass shootings, 2022, 647 mass shootings. In the first seven weeks of 2023, we have 67 of which my community is now one. I'm in that. I am now uh, a, statistic, a statistic on gun violence. Well, okay, not me personally, right? So maybe that's hyperbole. I'm I'm living, but I was in the community. I'm a part of this community that is represented in that statistic. And so we talk about what do we do in these moments? And you've probably seen the memes that go around where it's like it's a it's like a drawing with a statement that says mass shooting and then an arrow that draws down to another thing that says thoughts and prayers and then an arrow that draws over to the do nothing and then an arrow that draws over to repeat and it's just a cycle mass shooting thoughts and prayers do nothing repeat and we talk about um we talk about gun control, gun debate. I brought up uh, the shooter in Michigan State in his particular circumstances because it's not just about gun control. It's also about access to mental health. This is obviously an individual who, following the death of his mother, became increasingly mentally ill. He's a black man from Lansing, Michigan, 
I wouldn't be surprised to find out that he probably didn't have the same resources that a white man of privilege like myself has to mental health resources. I was able to talk to my therapist yesterday for an hour and process. There are multiple resources on campus for us to, to reach out and process. I don't know that this man had the opportunity to, to process his grief, to address his mental illness, which is clearly apparent. I was, in, I was heartened to see that Joe Biden passed some or committed some $250 million towards uh, initiatives, one of which included mental health. Uh, but if you look at the scope of this problem, I don't know that that's a significant sum. I think we'd ar I'd argue that we probably need to do better than that. For perspective, Joe Biden just committed $250 million to stop or to, to fight the epidemic of gun violence in the United States, $250 million. In January, an American owner of the Chelsea soccer team in the English Premier League spent $600 million on about 12 players for his football team, soccer for the Americans out there. So $250 million towards an epidemic of chaos, destruction, violence, and trauma, which is just under half of what one man spent for 10 to 12 soccer players in one month. Perspective. Uh, as a sports fan, um, I occasionally come across uh, Jamel Hill, who used to be an ESPN uh, analyst. Uh, Jamel, in particular, um, I find fascinating because she is uh, a Michigan State grad. Um, she's a friend of the community. She's a black woman uh, whose voices I highly value as a white man of privilege for shaping my own worldview in more full and mean meaningful ways. Uh, and she had a, a tweet saved in her phone that she shared on Twitter on Monday because, quote, I'll sadly always have a reason to reuse it. And this was a tweet posted on June 19th of 2015 uh, by a gentleman named Dan Hodges. And it goes like this. In retrospect, Sandy Hook marked the end of the U.S. gun control debate. Once America decided killing children was bearable, it was over. And that was 2015. And we've had more than 2,000 mass shootings since then. Predominantly children, not exclusively, but... When we decided that it was tolerable to kill children, the gun debate ended. America, we are tolerating the death of children. Thoughts and prayers.
So I've um, I've been struggling over the last couple of days. Uh, a lot of the time, I'm just numb. I don't know how to think. I don't know how to feel. I still haven't talked to my family on the phone. I've texted with them. They know that I'm okay and all that, but I, I can't, uh, I haven't had a chance to really steal myself for that kind of an emotional conversation outside of, I mean, my, my wife is my rock. I talk to her constantly. Um, and she encourages me to, to let myself feel my emotions, um, which is important. And I, and I have been, finding spaces to do that. It's hard though, when as a father, I want to be sturdy for my children in the time of tragedy. As the leader of an organization, I want to be um, leading with resolve. As uh, a teacher, I wanna be leading with compassionate for my students first. And it's one of those things where oftentimes the leaders, the caregivers are caught up in a focus of, of looking out for the others in their care or in their charge. Um, but my, um, my therapist powerfully said to me, you know, remember that there's care for the caregiver and that that's important. And so I've been trying to allow myself to feel, allow myself to process. You're sitting through that right now. This podcast is often a, a place where I process my thoughts and emotions. And um, it's an exercise in vulnerability. I think largely because I believe that as a white man of privilege, my calling is to teach other white men of privilege that we need to be vulnerable. We need to be honest. We need to be allowed to feel. We need to be allowed to cry. We need to be allowed to feel moments of weakness. And to lean on others. We don't have to have all of the answers. We don't have to be strong all of the time. And that's an important reminder and I think something that I'm trying to to embrace um, you know I'm trying to take walks I'm trying to to breathe I'm crying sporadically um, I'm trying to let myself feel what it is to empathize with 18 to 22 year olds and the fear and the sadness and the trauma that they are just swimming in right now. And these are kids that I love. I don't know. I might be an anomaly, but when I teach, when I hire undergraduates, maybe it's because I'm a father. Um, maybe it's because there was a period of my life when I was a youth group leader, but I pour myself into these kids and I love every one of them. And so it hurts very deeply to feel them hurting. And so I'm going to have to spend time this week 
thinking about how do I re-engage with them when we all come back to school next week? Or those of us who, who feel up to it. Those of us who have to, like myself, as the teacher. <clears throat> Michigan State's given us the week, and then Monday we begin again. Monday on my birthday. On Monday I turn 49, and for my birthday I get to step back into that space and try and be there for those kids try and figure out how do we pick up and start talking about the roaring 20s what how does that matter in our lives right now does that matter in our lives right now that's hard <clears throat> that's what i have to figure out Um, so I, I, uh, I ended the last segment glibly, intentionally going out with thoughts and prayers because that's what you see all over social media. That's what I saw in my text messaging. Our thoughts and our prayers go out to you. I got a message like that from my brother and I said to him, maybe aim some of those prayers at legislators so that they might enact some change. So they might grow empathy, conscience. So they might be a little bit less beholden to the gun lobby and a little more empathetic to the thousands of deaths that have occurred in our country because of mass shootings. It doesn't have to be this way, right? There are hundreds of countries all over the world. We alone have this epidemic. And so when you hear people say, well, there's no bad guns, there's just bad people. Well, there's bad people all over the planet. And there's violence all over the planet, but mass shootings of our own citizens with no political aim in mind. This isn't an effort to uh, overthrow a government, to wipe out a particular ethnicity. In some cases, granted, um, in America, there have been some targeted mass shootings with those motives. But, you know, I'm thinking more along the lines of the continual strife in the Middle East uh, and some of it in in some of the Balkan states and in Africa and, and whatnot. But just the indiscriminate mass shootings in the United States, we are an anomaly. And so after better than a decade of this, responsible, or responsible, reasonable people, rational people would say, okay, what is this? This isn't just a bad man with a gun. Because there's bad men with guns all over the planet. This is something that is specific to us. We are broken. I argue that it's because we celebrate and embrace gun culture so thoroughly in our entertainment, 
in our gun lobbies, in our hyper-exaggerated sense of masculinity, our cowboy culture, our G.I. Joe culture. We celebrate weapons, and this is the result. This is the result. We normalize weapons. This is the result. We teach our kids that weapons are okay if handled responsibly. Evidence suggests otherwise. Evidence suggests otherwise. So thoughts and prayers. And yeah, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place. And so forgive me for that. This is still very raw. This is, I'm recording two days after this event. So I'm still very much in this. But so thoughts and prayers. I know that those are well-intended statements. I know that you, from a distance, wherever you are, in that moment, feel bad for those people who have experienced the trauma. And you want to send them your thoughts and your prayers. And some of you actually do get down and pray for those people. Some of you send messages of support because that's what we know how to do. Some of us are so desensitized to this in our country now that it's a trigger mechanism. Pun not intended there. But senseless violence happens, thoughts and prayers on the social media. I'm part of the empathetic energies out there in the interwebs. And then the trending timeline changes. Suddenly we're thinking about who is being traded to what basketball team, what Rihanna is wearing in the Super Bowl, um, what Joe Biden said in some speech, and we let it go. And we move on. Thoughts and prayers. We get distracted. We do nothing. It happens again. It doesn't have to be this way. So this is what I shared on LinkedIn and on Instagram today. Um, on my personal account, not the WIMP account. In the face of yet another horrible shooting strategy, this time at my institution, my alma mater, my home, we see another flurry of well-meaning and sincere messages sending thoughts and prayers. In the spirit of Michigan State University's Spartans will and Spartans strong attitude and posture, I would call on my fellow Spartans to live up to that calling. Let's retire the well-intended yet passive messaging of thoughts and prayers. Lean into your Spartan's will and Spartan strong belief and convictions, and let's start a new movement, a new messaging strategy. 
policy, and change. We can do this. We sent a man to the moon. We elected a black president. We legalized gay marriage. We can be the change we want to see. Hashtag policy and change. So the next time something terrible happens, consider before you hashtag thoughts and prayers. Let's break the cycle. Let's stop being passive. Let's stop allowing a minority of this country to push us around and to keep us living in fear. Let's start the trend of hashtag policy and change. And let's go beyond the hashtags. Let's bust out of the boxes of our social media echo chambers. And let's talk to our representatives in person, if you can. Certainly by phone, certainly by email, certainly by letter. Show up at the Capitol steps. Show up in your community and demand policy and change. Students over guns. Life over death. Policy and change. It can feel hard. It can feel uh, hopeless, helpless. Where do I start? How do I do this? I'm just one person. Find other people who feel the same way that you do. Connect. Collaborate. Build coalitions. Get out there and push for policy and change. Look at the survivors of Parkland. Look at the work that they've done. I think David Hogg is one of the most prominent that I've seen. But there are certainly others. And I might have pronounced his name wrong, but I think that's that's accurate. But anyway, let's get out there. Push down the doors, metaphorically speaking. Policy and change. We still, though it doesn't feel like it sometimes, though it feels like we are led by lobbyists and super PACs and the special interests that make the rich richer, the poor poorer, and all of us beholden to an elite political and economic class. We are still a government by and for the people. Policy and change. Let's get out there and make it happen. Thanks. Thanks for listening. I hope to be back soon. I have no idea where I'm going to go from here. Other than I'm going to get out there in whatever ways I can, I'm going to push for policy and change. Thanks, everyone. Sleep.